Hello and welcome to Atsi. I'm Linda Vranach and today I'll be speaking with Donacha Makanyamada. Donacha is an Irish television producer, sailor and presenter. He's the chairperson of the Galway Hooker Association and Fela Ondolin, a festival celebrating local maritime culture in Connemara in the west of Ireland. A sailor for over 25 years, he has experience in Irish and international waters. He reconstructed a 143-year-old Galway hooker on Lady Moore. Today, he speaks with me from his home in Connemara about his experiences at sea. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Linda. Hi, Dalakha. Thanks for coming on to have a chat with me. Yeah, you're more than welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, Dunha, you're in Connemara, where you're uh-huh. from right now. Yep. And for for anyone who might be listening who may not be familiar with Connemara, would you just um, tell us a little bit about it? Right, okay. I suppose I would say that there's nearly two Connemaras. There's North Connemara and South Connemara. So North Connemara would be kind of the more touristic as in these days where you have mm-hmm. more tourists going. But South Connemara is where the Gaeltacht is, is where people speak Irish. So you have to think that people have been speaking this language here for over 5,000 years. Uh, we, You know... Um, even now we have shell middens that are 6,000 years old, so you can go and pick a shell, and it's been 6,000, you know, a periwinkle shell, and it's been 6,000 years oh, no. since somebody, you know, since yeah. somebody picked that up. It's only down the road, you know? So from Galway, you have this straight, so if you head west from Galway, you've got this straight road, and it's on a mm. straight piece of coast, so you go past Spiddle, and then you start really going into this poorer land, you'll see it, it's kind of bog and and mm. and and scrub land nearly, to the north of you. And then there's this stretch of arable land around, along the coast, which is nice and green. And this is where most of the population of Connemara has settled because that's where the land was and also where the sea was because the land was so poor, there was a big necessity to have kind of a, a foot in the sea, if nothing but just to help you fertilize your land with seaweed, but also, you know, fish and, uh, mm-hmm. and transport. Because once you go to Rosseville, you hit the first of many, many bays. So then you hit, so you go to Castle Bay and then you have Peninsula of Mijarua, where I am. And I'm at the mouth of Mijarua. So I've got Lettermore and Garmna Island. Garmna Island is the second, is it? I think it's the second biggest island in the whole of Ireland. It's connected by bridge. Um, and that's, so if I wanted to go... Uh, 50 years ago, you know, to Garden Island, the fastest way was to hop on a Korok, row across, and I was there in 15, 20 minutes. If I had to go by, you know, horse and cart or walk, sure, it would take me a whole day long ago. So once you head past here, it's full of islands and peninsulas. And this is why there's such a strong maritime culture in this area, uh, because... It was hugely dependent. It was fundamentally, it was the, it was the car, it was the lorry. You know, we have these, what they are, Galway hookers. And these are the sailboats. So you'd have Glotiogui, which is the smaller version. So they would be the kind of your little taxi to go over here and there and in and out to an island. And, you know, and then you'd have the bigger boats, the Yawas and the Bajwara. So they would be owned by... Uh, say people who would be, do transport. So they transport turf or, and every big shop 
So you have Conroy's and Rusmuk. They have a lovely, gorgeous kind of a horseshoe pier uh, down in Gaidafan. And they had their own shop, but they only had they had their own boat. And Monique Wolver, like every shop had its own boat. So it, they were the lorries. They're what brought, you know, stuff in and out from Galway City. So this until I'd say the 50s, the 1950s, that's 70 years ago. This place was fundamentally dependent on boats for transportation and for sustenance, uh, basic sustenance, i.e. fishing and seaweed, cutting seaweed and selling it and all like that. So therefore, around where we are, you know, uh, there is, even though there there's no dependence per se or fundamental dependence on the sea these days, but it's still an intrinsic part and a very deep part of our culture and our being and our psyche. You know, we think, you know, we, you know, we're tidal nearly ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and um, for yourself then, um, can you remember a beginning? I suppose it's hard for you to define a moment where your relationship with the sea and that whole life began, mm-hmm. but let's say with sailing, maybe, can you remember how that began or how far back can you go? You go back to as long as I can remember, I'll be honest with you, you know? It's like sitting, you know, if there was a fish box around the house, you know, we had to put a sail on it, you know? If we went down <laughs> to the, we had to, we, we used to like, you know, we'd make little boats. I mean, it sounds kind of ridiculous, but, you know, it was a National Geographic world. I caught the end of it. You know, um, around here, you know, and then, you know, we, we, I'd be in and out to my cousins had land on an island that's, a, you know, a mile, uh, it's a mile out in the bay here, but yeah. we to row in and out to there to bring food to the animals, you know, and to take care of the land and bring, you know, fertilizer out and, you know, grab a donkey and, uh, you know, and then hop on the donkey's yeah. back on the way home on the island, you know, and do a time trial. You know, so we'd compete with each other till we lost the donkey, of course. And then, you know, it would take a while to get to get that donkey back. And, you know, on a 70 acre island, he would have gone to the very end of the island. So, <laughs> you know, so these are all intrinsic parts of your being. You know, when you grow up, like my my aunt's family are from an island in Rusmuk. And to go oh. into that island in Chilliamore, you had to wait on the tide. There was a causeway of rough stone, you know, and Paddy still lives there. Like he's well into his 80s, if not in his 90s. And he still lives alone. But if you went there, you had to know your tide. You didn't go there, you know, and uh, so you had to time everything. So really, it's all kind of inbuilt into the system, if you know what I mean. Um, Day one. And, you know, if you're lucky enough to be... um, and you should be, you know, um, to have access uh, to to the sea, as in I, you'd be able to hop on a boat, even if you didn't own a boat yourselves, you know. My father bought the sailboat, my, our sailboat, uh, when I was 10. And that kind of gave me my own, my own vehicle, you know, um, to, to be part of when I was a teenager. And then in my 30, in my early 20s, I bought the boat off my father and wow. and I just went sailing by myself everywhere. And that was the biggest fun of all. 
Wow. And is that, I mean, surely that must be very challenging to just like a one man. It's, it's between myself and yourself, Linda, it's easier uh, because <laughs> it is, you know, it's only challenging when it gets very wild and you have to bail the boat and these boats don't sail themselves. You know what I mean? You have to kind of jig it up so you can she can sail for a minute or 30 seconds, throw some water out and hop back, you know. But in general, it's easier by yourself. You don't have to explain anything to anybody. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you're fit and you can jump up and down and you you have a feeling for your boat, if you know what I mean, sure, you've got you've got nobody to give out to, nobody to get pissed off with and nobody to get, you know, or nobody yeah. to eat into your space either. You know, it's 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 it, there's great freedom out there because you're busy your your head is busy doing calculating silly little things all the time, you know. I mean, they're not silly, but calculating, you know, the wind, calculating Mm -hmm. the tide, calculating, will I get there at this? What do I do? Will I take a tack over here or will I keep going here? There's a million things going on in your head all the time, but they're all present. If you know what I mean, they're here and now. They're not something you're not planning for the future. And if you do have time, you really have time to settle down without being bothered, I suppose, by the rest of the world and without having interference. Um, Yep. And how, would you go on, what kind of, what's the the longest type journey you might have gone on like that by yourself? By myself? I remember I sailed, I always wanted to sail and bring, uh, because the guy who used to sail the boat before my father bought her, uh, bought her tippy, he used to sail down to Kinvara with a load of turf by himself. So I said, yeah. I want wow. to, to do this. So I got it. But what happened, a friend of mine, his brother died in a car accident. Uh, about two weeks before and I said here well you know I'll sacrifice this trip you know which well, sacrifice wasn't much of a yeah. sacrifice you know um, mm-hmm. so it took us four hours and ten minutes to sail to Kinvara fully loaded with turf and we we ended up really in Clarence Bridge because I didn't have a map and it was my first time sailing by myself to Kinvara so then I had to go cut cross country and tipping on sandbanks and all that but it took wow. four hours ten minutes then at the following Tuesday I came home by myself and it took me 11 and a half hours. Okay. So. Is that the wind? I had or the wind it... and I, you know, I had both tides, so it didn't really make a difference. But the, the wind was against me, essentially, you know. But, mm-hmm. you know, nobody, and what about nobody the... was worried. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> you know, or nobody was, I wasn't worried. It was quite relaxing, you know. You tell yourself, yeah. you know, you tell Jesus, this is taking ages. You know, will I ever make it? But an hour goes in no time at all. You'll sing yourself songs and you'll keep yourself entertained just by being, yeah. you're nearly like a bird. Um, you know, you're out there, you know, there's there's nobody telling you what to do or how to, you just have to make your way home. That's That's it. Wonderful. And when you had the whole load of turf in the boat, does that change everything? I mean, does it change the? Di- sure, I guess the dynamics stay the same, but are the stakes kind of higher or no? The turf is not a is not a heavy cargo, you know, so okay. it's not going to change the boat. She's not going to sing now. If you're going to go racing or if you're really, you know, I mean, there's people who keep their boats in pristine condition. Um, I wouldn't be one of those people, you know what I mean? So they wouldn't be very happy with putting turf and the dust and the, you know what I mean? They'd be very careful with plastic. Um, it changes. 
I don't think it changes if you're going. What I think it changes is it, it gives you a better. It gives you a feeling. It connects you with your ancestors. I think that's what it does. Mm. It just it just makes it real what people did 50 years ago. Yeah. And you say, well, wow. I can, I could have been that person. And you know what I mean? I'm still that, I'm still th these people, if you know what I mean? Yeah. You're still that make, yes. just in a different yeah. era. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And can you, I'm, I'm interested to know, um, are there people that came before you that you feel that, that guided you or that you learned from? Or yeah, I would say the whole that. community, it's, it's a community effort, these boats. You know, and it's maybe the the sailor that was the crankiest guy out there, and the person who nearly a nemesis if you're racing. You know, they might have been kind of the people that you look back and says, "Yeah, you know, I learned a lot from that and from him." You know what I mean? And maybe it was the battles that made you learn. You know, for when you're racing. Absolutely. But then there's then there was there's some some really. It's a big word, but there were some epic people. Um, a lot of them are mm. gone now, you know. Life goes fast, and a lot of these people go very fast in the end. You know what I mean? They're just, you know, they're gone. I mean, there's a friend of mine, he did, he drowned in, in Kenvara at the mouth of Kenvara Bay, Johnny Kanjak. And mm. I got to know him really well um, in the mid uh, noughties. We got around really, really well. And I used to sail by myself and he caught mm -hmm. me one day, gave me a toe, dropped me right on top of a huge rock, you know, and you're looking at this. So, And then as he kind of, as as he took her up, now you'll know exactly where Karagivu is, you know? So look, take your marks now. So this was, you know, these are kind of playing with you, winding you up, stressing you out, but also giving okay. you a huge amount of information because the first thing he said now, have a look around. And mark yourself. So, I mean, traditionally, we don't sail with maps. We don't sail with compasses. Um, a mobile phone and a GPS is a completely new thing. Everybody around here uh, sailed by using marks. So you would take a rock on a house or two hills and stuff like that. And that's how you would, mm -hmm. or a telephone pole, like there's a place back in Lechmullen to get into this little cove. And it's a really, really narrow, uh, narrow stretch. You know what I mean? To get into this. Mm -hmm. So the deal is like you take a telephone pole on the chimney of this house, but then they went, yeah, right. but then they went and then they put a new roof on the house and they upgraded the house. <laughs> and it was so, it's so fine if you know what I mean. It is really fine. You know, you've yeah. got maybe you know 15, 20 feet of a gap, which is not a lot, really. You know what I mean? It's not much maneuverability at all. So, so then like. So it was in the valley of the house. Okay. So it says, is, is the top of the valley or the bottom of the valley? And this, I remember this being kind of the conversation when the house was, was the big thing. Oh, Jesus, shit, what do we do? <laughs> Amazing. And when um, Johnny and Jack took you out to that rock, um, so did you remember then? Were you able to take markings on that day and then you knew where that was from then Yeah, on? it's funny. You can go back... I hadn't been. I hadn't sailed back from Tower Young Golem and Letter Mullen to what the the British Navy used to call the Gates of Hell. I mean, this was big, yes, really? this was big smuggling country, huge smuggling country. 
And the reason, because it's full of bays and it's dodgy, you know what I mean? You really need to know. But especially back there, once you leave Tower Kangolam, you have Karagullur, Karagnamakum, you have Shkairze, you have all those rocks. It's boiling with, you know what I mean? Uh, you could see boiling with a number of breakers there. But it was perfect uh, smuggling country. So you have up in Letirmore, you have Brandy Harbour, but that's tucked away. So they used to sail the Gawi hookers in there, drop the mast, and there's no way you could spot this <laughs> little pier. It's hidden. It's beautiful. And then you have Karingal, which is at the mouth. It, it breaks. I can actually see it now. It's just barely breaking right in front of me here. But Karingal got its name from... Uh, the Gaul is the foreigner, you know. So what the referencing was uh, the British. So the story that goes with Carignan is that uh, the British cutter was chasing a local boat that was smuggling brandy or stuff in, you know. But the cutter was faster, deeper, but faster. So the local boat out in the, you know, in the deep really had nowhere to go and was going to be caught. Undoubtedly, you know, it didn't mm. have time to escape. So what did he do? At half tide, he sailed over Karingal. And of course, the cutter followed, wow. being much deeper, broke, and that's the name stuck. So, so Amazing. So it's almost like a whole other landscape that you seem to know, that I guess people know off by heart. It is a landscape, and there's, oh. there's directions and signposts, but they're written in different styles, you know what I mean? No more than your chimney and your telephone pole, you know? Um, it's a different, it's it's a different world. And if you are from here, and if you were lucky enough to get into this, you know what I mean. You're you you've yeah. really been spoiled. You know, you really have something. I mean, it's where we sail, and the people that we sail with. They've been speaking the same language for at least five thousand years living here, five six thousand years. Mm. We know that for sure. You can go down to a shell midden where you can pick. A, 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 a periwinkle up and it's been 6,000 years since somebody picked that last or touched that last. So, you know, yeah. and it's the same language, it's the same people. These lads and ladies who sail these boats, we don't know how to sail them in any other language except in Irish. Because, you know, what's the term for that? We don't know. So, in many ways, you've got yeah. probably the most culturally um indigenous part of Ireland where you can put these people into, you know, these boats, both in the same family, 200 years, no problem, you know? The same family, yeah. you know, built by the great, great, great granduncle. You know, so there's that kind of depth of culture and, you know, these, you know, we're not yachties, we're not rich, we don't buy these boats to... As a perk or as a luxury item, you know, they're really more of a social responsibility as much as anything else, you know, mm. because they're not cheap yeah. to maintain at all, you know. And Donald, are there things that you feel that you have learned whilst at sea that stay with you then when you get back to the land? Yeah, In life, it, it saying, is you know, that like, you, you can take care you know, of yourself, you know is not to be, um, it gives you confidence, self-confidence in that if you can go out there and bring yourself home from there, really, you know, you're sound. You know, you don't, you, it takes a lot of, it's, 
there's there's a physical and a mental challenge in sailing you know what i mean there's a physical challenge but it's it's more mental it's about using your head and being able to calculate you know what i mean and calculate dangers and calculate you know how to do things cleverly and you know and i think that's kind of the big thing you bring with you and being happy and comfortable in yourself you know you're not going to spend a lot of time out there if you're not you know in your own company if you feel you need to be around people and all that you know it's a great leveler and plus you're not the boss you know you're never the boss out there you don't control stuff you can't just you know you'll come home when you come home um you'll have to deal with whatever the road throws at you you know so and and there is no pulling over you know you start something you have to finish it so it's a great it's 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 a great all-rounder um lesson of life is 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 to take these challenges on and you know it's not that dangerous if, <laughs> when you know what you're at it's quite safe you know <laughs> that's fantastic thank you so much Danica. you're welcome Linda thanks a million for having me it's been really nice talking to you yeah, it's speaking in your second language. Is, so, is that uh, getting used to this? Yeah. <laughs> well, you're 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 very eloquent oh, in both well. languages. God bless you, <laughs> uh, And um, yeah, and I hope that you get. I, I I think you're you're spending time at on at sea at the moment, anyways. And I hope yeah, that continues with, for you for the last a very few long months, time. To I've come. seen a few minky whales. I've seen umpteen. Uh, pods of dolphins or uh, or porpoises, and I've seen basking shark, and I've seen basking shark from the window really? here of my house. So, yep, really. So we're spoiled, and that's one thing you know. This, this part of yeah. And what's it? Sorry, I, I forgive my ignorance. What um, did you say? A minky, a minky whale. whale? Yeah, they're quite. They're kind of one of the more common ones know. that would come around here. You'd have a humpback and the minkies. Um, which they come around, so it'd be you know, it'd be a big whale, but not a blue whale kind of size. Wow, yeah,